this is this month. We are, our, our theme is the thrill of hope. We're so excited. There's, there's no better time, like Pastor said, than to talk about hope than Christmas. It's exactly what, what Jesus coming to this earth, what it was, what, one of the reasons he came was to bring us hope. And uh, how many of you know he shows up just in time every time? Amen. He came just in time, right when the world needed him the most. And I want to jump right in. I want to share a verse with you, kind of my anchor verse for the day. And it's in uh, Romans 15, verse 13. It says, may the God of hope, he is our God of hope, amen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you guys would, just uh, just pray with me as we begin today. We just ask the Lord to come and have his way. Father, we thank you for today. I thank you for your word, that it is truth, that it is life to all who will partake of it. And Lord, we thank you that every person here today is here for a reason. There's nobody here by accident. And God, I pray that you would speak to each of our hearts today, that you would do your work during this time. Holy Spirit, you are so welcome here. Come and have your way. Let my words be your words. Open our hearts to hear your word today. We ask it in Jesus' name. And amen. So let me start by by making a very obvious statement this morning. Uh, We all need hope. Amen. Hope is a very, very powerful thing in our lives. When, When we have hope... It sustains us through many, many things in our life. Just as the opposite is also true, that hopelessness can really bring us down. How many of you know if you're at a place of hopelessness, that good news doesn't even sound good? That, that bad news sounds worse, normal news sounds, sounds bad, good news just is kind of so what? Uh, hopelessness is a very, very bad place to be. And I know that some of us in this room today, in a room this size with this many people, some of us are dealing with despair and hopelessness during this Christmas season. Uh, maybe it's been a rough year for you. you know we're getting t- towards the end of the year and you start taking inventory of the year and, and, and looking at what this year meant for you. And for a lot of us, it, there's been some pain. Some of us are still going through some pain and some, tr- some struggles today. You know, maybe you have, uh, maybe you got a bad report from the doctor this year, or maybe a close family member got a bad report from the doctor, or maybe your family is, uh, has a lot of turmoil in it. Maybe you have, uh, maybe your marriage is not doing well. You're hanging on by a thread. Maybe you got divorced this year. Maybe your kids are, are running away from the Lord and you, you're crying out to God, wondering what you could do to get your kids to come back to God. Um, maybe you're dreading Christmas Day because you know you have to spend time with your family. Uh, there's some of that in here probably. That's probably a little more trivial, but it's still real. Uh, some of you may have financial issues going on in your life. You know, maybe you have a job where you're not getting paid enough to where you can even pay your bills, but you have no other options. So you're just hanging on and every month you're getting further and further in debt. You don't see any end in sight. Maybe you've acquired too much debt and, and you don't know how to get yourself out of a hole. Um, maybe some of you have just watched too much news and you feel like Armageddon is going to happen before the end of the year. Um, that's an easy solution. You just need to turn off your TV. I've, done, I've had to do that a little bit myself. But uh, a lot of us are dealing with a lot of things. Amen. And I want you to know that I have come today and next week, for that matter, to bring you hope. I'm here to bring you hope because I believe that is God's heart for each and every one of us. That no matter what we're going through, you know, we're never promised to not have any trials or tribulations in our life anymore once we get saved. Everybody knows that, right? And so the fact that we still have to go through these things mean, means that God must have a plan. He must have a way to sustain us through these things. Like the verse that I read, it says that uh, Paul said, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with hope. By the power of the Holy Spirit. My prayer for each and every one of us today is that you came expecting and that you're going to be able to overflow with hope 
in your life. And you're going to have joy unspeakable. That's, a, that's another Christmas term. It's used in a lot of Christmas songs, and I love it. It stirs me so much. I was driving last night on the way home from, uh, from here, actually. We were doing some work in the atrium. And uh, it was about 10 o'clock at night, and the, the song Joy to the World came on, the old Christmas song that has that added part where it says joy, unspeakable joy. And it got me so stirred up, I started to actually tear up because I was thinking about the unspeakable joy that we can have in our life when we know Jesus. He brings hope to us that's real. It's not just a positive attitude. It's not just optimism. It's a hope that we know that we have a God that we serve that is for us and not against us. Amen. And we can hang on to that hope. And so I'm going to, I'm going to try to encourage you and help you because I know the Christmas season can, can magnify hopelessness and despair in a lot of us. If you're not doing well, Christmas can tend to be one of those things. You just can't wait till December 26th. Amen. And uh, if you are doing well, Christmas is fun. It's great. But, uh, but there, there's a lot of people struggle through Christmas with depression and, and things like that because of what they're going through in their life. And so I'm hoping to help you with that. And I'm here today to tell you that, uh, that there is a hope that does not disappoint you. There is a hope that overflows out of you but through the love of God. And in fact, uh, one, of the, one of the most famous favorite verses of the Bible is in Jeremiah 29, 11. You guys all know it. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God's plan for you is that you would have hope. You don't have to pray about that and ask the Lord, do you want me to have hope? It is his plan. It's in the word of God. That's for each and every one of us. He wants you to be able to live with hope and not despair. No matter your situation. We have to keep that in mind that we can't just hope that our situation ends so that we can have peace. He can give us peace in the midst of the situations, of the, of the turbulence in our life, of the trials in our life. And he will help us through that as we trust him. So Christmas is obviously the, the best time to be talking about hope because of what it does mean. And, and so I want to kind of set the stage for you um, as far as what was going on in Israel at the time of Jesus' birth. Okay, so uh, this was, you know, 2,000 years ago. Israel is... They're, they're occupying their land. They, they, did get, they, they got back from their Babylonian captivity, so they were at home. But the Roman Empire had pretty much taken over the world at that time. They were very powerful, and they were occupying Israel, and, uh, and they were very oppressive. I mean, it was very common for Roman soldiers to be living in the, the, the Jewish people's houses with them. They would give them food rations. I mean, it was very specific and very strict on what the, the Romans expected of the people of Israel because they, were, they had conquered them, and they were living there with them. And so they were very oppressed by the Romans. And not only that, they did allow the, the Jewish people to self-govern to some degree. The Jewish, the Jewish had their own, they had their own uh, governmental system set up. But their religious leaders were so oppressive that they were, they were almost as bad as the Romans. They, uh, you know, they had taken Moses' Ten Commandments and added hundreds of commandments to it. It was almost impossible to follow all their commandments. And they looked for, they looked for ways to get you. They had that gotcha kind of attitude of just go ahead and try. Try to do something you're not allowed to do and see what happens to you. And they had their own court system where people would get tried and, and, uh, and per- prosecuted all the time. And so they were being very oppressed. And not only that, God had not spoken to them. You know, these were, this was the people that, this was God's chosen people. They were used to hearing from God through the prophets or through angels or whatever. And, and God had gone 400 years without speaking to them. The time from the end of the Old Testament till Jesus' birth, they call it the 400 years of silence. And that's a long time for God not to speak. I know when we, you know, if you're used to reading the word, you can think, you know, 400 years, big deal, you know, but if you think of it in terms of today, 
our country has been here for 200 and almost 40 years, I believe. That's a long time that the United States has been in existence. Longer than any of us have been here, right? And if, if this was during that time, we would still have 160 years to wait to hear from God again. That's a long time. And they were desperate. And again, like I said before, though, but how many of you know God shows up at just the right time? They got to the place that they needed, they needed some hope. And, you know, they'd been hearing about the Messiah for generations. They knew. They'd go to the synagogues and they would read the prophecies. They'd read Isaiah and they, they knew that the Messiah was coming. And they were waiting and they, and they were desperate for him. And then one day, all of a sudden, an angel appears to a, a young woman named Mary. And uh, Mary's betrothed to be married to Joseph. And he comes to her and says, hey, you're going you're gonna to conceive and you're going to call this child Emmanuel because he's God with us. And, she, and Mary says, let it be as God has said. And so she receives it and she's excited. She goes and tells her fiance, Joseph. Hey, uh, by the way, and, and this is, this is kind of how I envision this story going or this conversation. Hey, Joseph, um, I, I'm going to have a baby. And Joseph says, oh, yes, you're going to have, we're going to have lots of babies. God's going to bless us. We're going to have a big family. I can't wait. And then Mary says, no, you don't understand. <laughs> I'm going to have a baby soon. I'm pregnant. Now, uh, we're talking about hope. And I can imagine that Joseph's hope at that moment was that Mary was playing a trick on him. Or pranking him or lying or, or hung over or something. Anything but this because this meant that, you know, something had happened. So the Bible tells us that he was going to divorce her or, or cut off the engagement. But he would do it privately because he was a, a man of honor and he, he didn't want her to be uh, exposed. And so that was Joseph's plan. Well, then we see in Matthew tw- uh, ver- chapter 1 and verse 20 and 21, we see what the angel says to Joseph or what happened to him. It says... But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Hallelujah and amen. How many of you like to be in Joseph's position there? I mean, he had a good thing going. The interesting thing is, you know, his situation didn't change at all, but his perspective changed immediately. And when his perspective changed, hope was brought back in. Now all of a sudden he was brimming with hope and word started getting around that Jesus was, that the Messiah was coming and hope was coming in the flesh. Amen. And hope is still here in the flesh or that, that same hope is here for us today. The same Jesus that brought hope back there 2000 years ago is given hope to each and every one of us today. And it can overflow in our lives because of what he did for us. Amen. So what I want to do is, uh, give you. Some, some points of what I believe hope is, okay? And I'm gonna, this is kind of a two-part message here. I'm gonna start it today and I'm gonna finish it next Sunday uh, because I'm not gonna have near enough time to get it all in today. And so what I'm gonna do is, is give you uh, four things that hope is this week. I'm gonna give you four next week because uh, I think it's important for us as believers to know, um, to be able to, to identify hope and not just, because hope can be this, you know, the world would say hope is just this kind of, um, vague thing where we just kind of, you know, we kind of hope that something good happens. You know, we're kind of biting our nails, hoping that our team wins the game or we're, uh, we're hoping for that job that we really want to get, but we're just not sure. We don't really have any faith in it, but hope that comes from God that we're talking about that I mentioned at the top here in Romans 15, that's a hope that comes in us from the Holy spirit. It fills us. And so, and we have to know what that hope is so we can live it out in our lives. Amen. So, cause we don't want to be ignorant. We want to know the word and what it says. So I'm going to jump right into it so that we don't stay here all day. 
Um, the first one is that hope is found in Jesus. Now, they, that may sound like a very obvious statement, but that's, but that's what I was talking about, about the fact that, that the hope that we have as believers, and if you're not a believer today, if, you're not, if you would not call yourself a Christian, um, this word is still for you. Because, because as, a not, as somebody that doesn't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can know that, that if you really want to have hope in your life that's going to extend beyond just uh, the, the day-to-day and trying to, trying to white-knuckle it and get through, the real hope that comes in our life is when we give our lives to Jesus. Amen? Everyone in this room that has given their life to Jesus can attest to that, that he is the one that gives us hope. He's the one that gives us a future. He is the one that gives us purpose in our life. So I would encourage you today that, that Jesus is the reason that we have our hope. And if you're here today, I don't believe it's an accident. I don't believe it. I don't care how you got here. It's not an accident. God had appointed it for a time today for you to be here and to hear this word. And I just would encourage you before today is over, if you would consider giving your life to Jesus and and accepting what he did on the cross for your salvation and for your forgiveness of your sins, you'll never regret it a day in your life. But for those of us that, that do know him, we know that, that Jesus brings a hope that is, that is a confidence that's found in him. It's a hope that we can cling to. It's a hope that we can stand on. Uh, John 10.10 10 says that the thief comes not except to, or only to kill, steal, steal, kill, and destroy. Excuse me. And then Jesus said this, but I have come that they may have life. You are, you are they. That word they there, that's you. I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. That is the hope that Jesus brings. He, he tells us that he had came, the reason he came to this earth was so that we could have abundant life. Amen? Does anybody here believe that today? Okay, good. So we believe that he came to give us abundant life. Well, I'm here to tell you that I believe, I don't just believe this, I've seen this experience in my own life. I, I believe that when we talk about abundant life, and I, I say this all the time, because this verse means a lot to me, because uh, it, it's, it's helped transform my thinking because I, I know people have taken this verse and used it kind of as a, as a catapult to launch people into feeling like, oh, Jesus wants me to have abundant life. That means he wants me to have everything I want. So I'm going to go buy a house I can't afford and cars I can't afford. And, and I'm going to go do all these things that I can't afford to do because I just believe that's what God wants. And, and we, we've kind of based a, a theology off of this to some degree. But I'm telling you, this abundant life, that, that's not what he's talking about. I believe God's a good father. He wants to bless us. He wants to give us things. I don't doubt that for a second. The fact that you're here in the United States is a, is a confirmation of the blessing of God in our lives. Amen. But I've traveled enough and been in enough developing nations to know that the word of God is no different than here than it is in West Africa. Amen. It's the same Bible might be different translation, but it's the same Bible. And for those people that are living in these places where they have no chance of ever having a huge house and three cars and a retirement fund and everything that they could ever dream of and as 80 inch TV screen on their, on their wall, they could, doesn't matter how hard they work, no matter how hard they pray, they're, they're not gonna get those things because their culture doesn't even, it doesn't even allow for it because of how, where they live and, and the, the way the, the system is set up for them. So for them to be able to read John 10, 10 and say, I can have abundant life, it has, to be, it has to be true for them as much as it is for us. And so abundant life to me is saying, I've come that you would have abundant life, that I, you would have a satisfying life, that you'd be able to live in peace with joy overflowing out of you, unspeakable joy and hope in your life. So that's what Jesus came to bring us is the hope. It's, it's the, the thrill of hope that the song talks about. You know, the, the theme for this month is thrill of hope. It comes from the song, uh, Oh Holy Night. And it says, the thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. 
for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Um, we know that a southerner wrote that song because it says yonder. But, uh, but what it's saying there is that the, the thrill of hope is the fact that the Messiah has come. He's come to bring salvation first, which is what we all need. We needed the salvation. We need the forgiveness of our sins. But he's also brought, came to bring us hope that there's more to life than what we've been doing. And when we have Jesus and we understand that, we know that, that, that the hope that we have in him is so much more valuable, so much more exciting, so much more fulfilling in our lives than anything this world could ever offer us, no matter what we're going through. So it's, it's found in Jesus. And it, it gets tricky because uh, it requires a level of faith to receive this kind of hope in your life that a lot of Christians never acquire because they're not willing to put their full trust in Jesus. And I, I may be speaking to some of us today. It's, it can be difficult for us. We know that there's a trust you have to have to, for salvation. We all know that. We know that the only way to get saved, none of us, if you've been in this church for 10 minutes, you know you do not get saved by your works. You get saved by grace, right? And so we, we come to Jesus and we say, I need your forgiveness of my sins. I, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I believe what you did for me. I believe you lived a sinless life. We trust him for that salvation. Some of you may came to Jesus originally because you just didn't want to go to hell. You know, and some of you came to him just because he just touched your heart and you just want to, you just want to give your life to him. But, but there's a level after salvation, there's another level of trust where Jesus says, are you willing to trust me with your life? Not just your salvation, not just the eternal life, but your life today. Are you willing to trust me? And if we're not, if we're not willing to trust him, we will, we can never experience that hope that he's talking about, that he wants to give us that hope that comes in, that fills us by his Holy spirit, because that verse in, in Romans 15 is pretty clear. And I'm going to read it again. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. It's very key there. We have to see that as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So that tells me that the Holy Spirit comes and fills us with hope as we trust him. So there's a requirement on our part. So we have to be willing to step out and trust him. And some of you may say, well, I've tried that. I've tried to put my hope in Jesus. I've tried to trust him for situations in my life and he hasn't come through for me. And I've seen, I've seen good people have really bad things happen to them. I've seen really good people have really bad things happen to them this year. Where I've, I've scratched my head and said, I just, I don't understand. And some of you have seen some of that and it has caused you to not be able to really trust God. Because, of, because you, you lack the confidence because of things happening not the way you didn't want them to happen. And, and my response to that would be, you're right. Good, bad things happen to good people. And good things happen to bad people. But that's not, it's not what it's about. And, and, and it kind of leads me to my next point because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you to a place here and I'm going to show you um, that, we, that we can trust him no matter what our circumstance. Okay, because so, the second thing that hope is, it is the belief that the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. I'm telling you that... That to me, like, that is how I would describe, that's how I would define hope. Just literally the best is yet to come. Because that's what hope is. We're hoping that something will be better than it is today. We're hoping that something will be sustained or something will happen that hasn't happened yet. My kids, right now, when they look under our Christmas tree, there's presents under there. And they see those presents. And they're very hopeful that uh, in a couple weeks, they'll be able to go in there and tear those things open and get some cool stuff. And their hope is exciting. I mean, if you have kids at home wanting gifts, you know how fun it is to watch them. I mean, Joy and I can just stand back 
And we used to stand back and watch them because they'd look at them, they shake them, and they try to figure out what it is. And it's just fun because they're hopeful, you know? But guess what would happen if tomorrow morning they woke up and went down and looked under the tree and all those gifts were gone? They'd, well, they'd be really upset with us, for first of all. But they would, they would lose all their hope. You know, that hope would be gone. And that's a powerful thing when we lose that hope. But the thing is, we have to understand that in a situation in our life, whatever the situation is, I heard a preacher say this a few years back and it has stuck with me and resonated with me. He said that if, if your situation is not good, God's not done. Okay? And that, that's based off of Romans eight twenty eight. It says, for we know that in all things, God works out the good in all situations for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So basically, if it's not good, God's not done. That's pretty powerful. If your situation is not good, and a lot of you are in situations that are not good, if it's not good, God's not done. And some of you may say, well, sometimes situations don't end the way you want them to. Well, then God's still not done. He's just, he's not done yet because he works all situations for our good. Now, some of us want our own good. We want, we, we don't necessarily want our good. We want our way. And it's important for us that we realize that God wants our good more than he wants us to get our way sometimes. Amen. I mean, when, when my kids were little, they didn't have any concern about their good. You know, if I told them, hey, it's good for you to eat green beans. They said, I don't care about my good. I want cake. You know, that's how kids are. And sometimes we behave like that in our Christian walk. Like, God, I don't want what's good. I, I, I don't want your, what's the best for me. I want what I want. And I'm fixated on that. Some of you have been angry with God or disappointed with God because you didn't get something you wanted. You didn't get that job you really wanted. You know, somebody... You, you went and had an interview. You even had a second interview and you were sure you got the job. You were praying, believing. You came up to the altar and you prayed and just asked God to give you that job and you ended up not getting it. You lost it to somebody that's, that you know you're better at the job than they would be. And you're frustrated. But maybe God's saying, well, that's, that's not what I wanted. That's what you wanted. And if you'll trust me, I'll show you. And by the time this is over, you'll see that I'm working this out for your good. It may not be your way, but it'll be for your good. In, in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse 19, it says, If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Let me read it again because it's a powerful statement. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Basically, Paul is saying there that there's so much more to life than just this life. And if all we have to hope in Christ for is for this life and what he can do for us on this earth, we, you should feel sorry for us. He's saying the world should feel sorry for us if all we have is what Jesus can do for us while we're on this earth. Because this is not the end. Amen? Uh, about two, two and a half weeks ago, uh, Joy and I were out to dinner one night and my sister-in-law from Ohio called and said, um, told me that she had to, my mom had to call 911 to go to the hospital that morning because she was feeling, had so much pain in her abdomen and she went to the hospital and my sister-in-law met her up there and, and met with the doctor and they grilled her for a good little while. And afterwards, the doctor took my sister-in-law out in the hall and said, hey, I just need to prepare you uh, from everything I'm seeing. I'm pretty sure she has cancer, some kind of blood cancer. So my sister-in-law called me right away and told me the situation and she was pretty upset. And as you can imagine, we were, we were pretty upset and um, it was right at the end of the last week of school, right before Thanksgiving. So Joy and I decided we're just going to pack the kids up and go up there and just to be with my mom. And so we left the next day. And, and some of you already know this. Some of you have been, I've been getting all kinds of encouragement from everybody 
that you're praying for my mom. And we got up there and I just was able to just sit in the hospital and just spend time with her. And uh, my other brother from Florida came up too, was there with us. And, and um, my brother that lives in Ohio was there. And on uh, Wednesday night, the, day, the night before Thanksgiving, the doctor came in into my mom's room and, and said that she'd been diagnosed with stage four lymphoma. And, uh, you know, two weeks earlier, for all we knew, my mom was, was healthy and um, nothing was wrong. And, you know, I, I love my mom with all my heart. She's one of my heroes. I mean, she's just a, she's a remarkable, amazing woman. And this, the news of this has, hasn't even really phased her. She's, she's just such a woman of faith. She said, you know, I'm just trusting God. I'm, just trust, I'm believing God's going to heal me. And we are too. We're believing God's going to heal her. But I'm telling you, my hope is not based on the result of this situation. My hope will not be, I've purposed in my heart that my hope in God, my trust in him, my ability or my, my willingness to live for him and serve him with all my heart is not based on what the outcome of this situation is. And we have to, we have to approach our walk with God that way, church. We have to. Now, I believe in the healing power of our God. I've seen it many times. I've seen people heal from cancer instantly. I've seen God use chemotherapy to heal people from cancer. We're going to do everything we can do. She's already started chemo and we're, we're believing for miraculous healing and all, all that stuff. And I believe God does it, but I'm, I'm telling you today that my hope is not based on what the result of this situation is. My hope is in him and I trust him. And my prayer every day is God, please heal my mom. I trust you. I trust you. No matter what, I trust you. And we, we have to be real with ourselves and with God when it comes to, to situations like this, because yes, yeah, sometimes bad things happen to good people. It happened. It does happen. But I know that, that I can trust him, that I can hope in him and trust that, that what, what Corinthians says here is that is if in this life, if we, if, if only in this life, we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. My hope in Christ, even for my mom, isn't just for this life. Amen. And I'm not ashamed to say it. And, and it doesn't mean I don't have faith. It doesn't mean I'm like looking at my options. I have all the faith in the world. I have total faith. But I also know that, that stuff doesn't always go the way I want it to go. Amen? And I'm fully trusting God in this. And that's, that's how we need to approach uh, our relationship with the Lord to really be able to walk in hope. To be able to have that hope that the Holy Spirit comes and fills you up and says, yeah, it, everything's going to be okay. This situation is good. It's because I'm not done. Amen? Okay, so uh, the, the next one then, the next thing that hope is, is, is elusive. Now, I know that doesn't have a great connotation, but I really want to show you guys this because hope isn't one of those things that we can just, um, you, you know, Albert Einstein gets credited with saying insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And we don't want to do that when it comes to hope and having hope in our own life. We want to be able to be uh, informed about what it is. And, and the fact is that uh, hope can sometimes elude us. Uh, Hebrews 10, verse 23, it says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Let us hold unswervingly. Now this implies to me that we have to hold on to it and not let go. That's telling me hope's trying to get away sometimes. How many of you know sometimes hope can be elusive? It's not always easy. You know, the enemy's trying to take it from you. He's trying to steal your hope every day. The last thing he wants you to do is be full of hope because somebody's full of hope is powerful. Hope is a powerful thing. That's what I said at the top end. Hope is very powerful. Just like hopelessness is so powerful and despair is so powerful, hope is powerful on the good side. 
And so we have to be willing to hold on to it and know that it's not something that just comes and just sits there with us. It's, it's try, it, it'll try to get away if we're not careful. We have to hold on. Um, the thing about hope is that it is about perspective. And we have, to, we have to purpose in our heart to have the perspective that God would want us to have in our life. You know, I mentioned Joseph, that his situation didn't change with Mary being pregnant, but his perspective changed and all of a sudden everything was okay. And it's the same thing with Peter. When, when he was on the boat with the disciples and Jesus comes walking on the water and, and uh, they were freaked out and they thought it was a ghost. And Jesus said, don't worry, it's just me. And Peter said, well, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come. And Jesus said, come on, let's do this. And uh, so you guys know the story. Peter gets out of the boat and he's walking on water towards Jesus. Now, you know, if you've been saved a long time, been in church a long time, and you've read this, read that many times, it's easy to just kind of skirt through that real quick. But that's pretty remarkable that, Jesus, that Peter was walking on water. I mean, that's the kind of stuff, I mean, I've tried it. It doesn't work. Unless you're going really fast behind a boat, you know, and you got something pulling you. But that was really remarkable. But he was doing fine until what? He starts, he noticed the wind and the waves and he got nervous and he started to sink. And Jesus in his wonderful grace and mercy snatched him and pulled him up. But you know, Peter's situation didn't change either. It was just his perspective. When he had his eyes on Jesus, he was doing fine. Got his eyes fixed on the other things around him, started to sink. And that's exactly what happens to our hope. If, if, our, if, if we get our eyes off of Jesus, we start focusing on the other things, our hope just, it, it goes away. And sometimes we have to preach to ourselves to tell us that we need to be hopeful. That's right. uh, the psalmist said in Psalm 42, 5, he, this is David speaking. David said, why my soul are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my savior and my God. Now, David could sound like a crazy person when you just read this. Like he's literally talking to his soul. But this is, this is a wonderful uh, example of somebody that was, that was going to, to hold on to hope. That was not gonna let hope elude him. He's actually preaching to himself. And we need to do this. I do this to myself sometimes. I, you know, sometimes I gotta pick myself up by the scruff of the neck and, and uh, tell myself to get with it. You know, and talk to your soul. Talk to your emotions. Say, no, you're not gonna be like this today. David said, why are you so downcast? And then he said, oh, by the way, I will yet praise him, my savior and my God. That's what we need to tell ourselves. Like, I don't care what I'm going through. I don't care what's happening in my life. It's not gonna keep me from praising my God. Nothing can keep me from praising my God. No matter what happens to my mom, I will never stop praising my God. No matter what happens to me, I will never stop praising my God. And when my emotions tell me to do something different, to complain and whine and moan, they may get the best of me for five minutes, but I promise you, I'm gonna come back around. I'm gonna praise my God. Because it's the only way we're going to make it through our situations in life. Amen? I'm telling you, you can praise your way through anything, church. Anything. There is nothing that true worship will not pull, bring you through. Uh, it's, it's a proven fact, and it's a wonderful thing. So sometimes we have to, we have to preach to ourselves to, to, find, to get that elusive joy and, uh, and hope in our lives. We have to be willing to fight for it, church. Fight for hope. And that's the thing about like despair and hopelessness. It, it, gets you, it can get you to that place where you're down and you don't have the energy to fight. But you have to do like David did. David was going through a lot when he wrote that psalm. And he, was, and he spoke to his soul and said, why are you so downcast? He had to remind himself, wait a minute. You're a child of God. You have no reason to be like this. I mean, worst case scenario, the, 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 they come and they kill me. Okay, good. See ya. I'm going to be with Jesus. 
You know, that was David's attitude in that situation. There's always, the best is always yet to come. So the, the fourth one, and this will be the last one today, is that hope is our right. You have a right to have hope in your life. Now, listen up, millennials. You guys are always made fun of because you're so entitled and, and, uh, and you think you deserve a six-figure salary right when you get out of college and you should have a, a six-bedroom house before you ever get married. And we, we make fun of you all the time and we're going to continue to make fun of you. But I'm telling, and I have two millennials, so I'm allowed to do it. Uh, but I'm telling you today, this is one of those things that you are entitled to. You are entitled to hope. As a child of God, it is your right to have hope in your life. It is absolutely, and, and, and church, I, I can't stress this enough. You have to believe it. You have to believe that hope is my right. It's okay for me to be hopeful. No matter what has happened, no matter how bad things have gotten, I still have a right to be hopeful in my life. Because my hope's not based on my situation. I know I keep saying that, but it's not based on that. My hope is based on who he is and, and what he's doing in me and knowing that, yes, the best is yet to come because I know my God. And I know that he always shows up just in time. Amen. He, he, there was 400 years of silence, but he showed up just in time. And so it's our right. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share quickly from uh, Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. I'm going to read the first two verses first. Paul says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith. Okay, so this is, what he's saying here is because we've been justified through faith, this is what we have now. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And this is what we boast about. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So as a child of God, you have privileges. Since you have been justified by faith, and if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have been justified. You are, you are in right standing before God. You are the righteousness of Christ. You have, a, you have a, a right and a privilege of being someone that has a hope in the glory of God. Okay? And so we need to understand that. But then the next three verses kind of give us the, uh, kind of how God, his formula or his, his um, uh, how he works hope in our lives. Okay? So verses three through five, it says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. One, one version says hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I mean, church, that is a, that is a powerful, powerful verse. But, but what he's basically saying there is that like, we have this right to hope, but what builds hope in our lives Okay, and this is this is something like I don't know about you guys, but when I read that when I read verse three there, I'm kind of like, eh, I'm just going to kind of forget that part and act like it doesn't apply to me. When it says we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. There's literally a chain that gets you to where you can have sustained hope in your life, and this is this kind of gives the formula. And it's not saying we need to welcome. We don't need to go out looking for trials and tribulations. Don't go out and start picking fights, okay, or causing trouble around here. But, uh, but what, what, he's say, what Paul's saying here is that when these things come, we don't have to get bitter. We as believers do not have to get bitter when bad things happen or when trials come into our life because we know what's happening through this. God didn't necessarily bring the trials, but what God's going to do in those trials, he's going to build perseverance in us. And that perseverance builds character in us. 
And then the character in us is what brings hope in our lives. The older we get, the further along we get in our walk with the Lord, the more we should have hope in our lives that cannot be, uh, that can't be squashed or it can't be um, covered over or pushed out just because something happened to us. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I know I handle trials and tribulations and things I don't like a lot better at 43 than I did at 23. Amen. And I don't, I didn't welcome any one of those things that happened to me in those last 20 years, but I've, I've, I can see them now that when stuff comes into my life that I don't like, and I mean, stuff just comes all the time, all the time. You know, it's Jesus said, we're going to have trouble in this world, but we can take heart, right? Because he's overcome the world. So we don't, we don't look for the troubles, but when they come, we know that, okay, this is something I'm going to allow God to use this to build the character in me so that I can have hope. See, and I, I'm, I'm, you're probably like me where you'd rather he just sprinkle hope dust on you while you sleep. But that's not his formula for us. And, you know, if I were God, that's what I would do. But I'm not. And uh, you're all lucky I'm not because that wouldn't be a good thing. But him being God, he, he has his way of doing things. And it's, it's because he's more concerned about us and our character and, and building hope in us than just giving us everything we want, right? I mean, if you're a parent, you know exactly what this is. I mean, we do the same thing for our kids. I, I don't, when my son comes and asks me for ice cream for breakfast, I don't give it to him. And he, and I'm saying, I'm building character in you, son. And he says, I don't want character. I want ice cream, <laughs> but I'm not giving in, you know? And now if I was grandma, if I was Mimi right there, I would give in. In fact, I'd probably offer it to him if I were her. Uh, she keeps saying that's her right, but whatever. Um, <laughs> But, but God does the same thing for us. It's, it's more important to me to build character in my children than to make sure they have everything they want. It just is. And it is for you guys too. I, when I see character developed in my kids, it does my heart so much more good than seeing them open some gift that they wanted. I love watching them open a gift they wanted too. That's great. But it doesn't even compare to when I see them to respond to something today well that they responded to a month ago terribly. That is, that does a parent's heart more joy than anything else in this world, other than them actually getting saved. Amen. And so that's what God wants to do for us. He wants to build that in us and he gives us the formula for it. And we can know this is why we can go through situations and not be bitter because we can know, okay, this isn't what I would have planned for myself. My mom getting diagnosed with cancer is not what I want. I would have never planned this for her. I, I would want her to die in her sleep when she's 95, you know, and never feel a thing. But I'm not going to let the situation make me bitter and say, why me? Why do we have to go through this right now? Why does my family have to go through this? Why, can, why am I down in Georgia and she's all the way up in Ohio and I can't even be there for her? And I can get very, very frustrated about that if I let myself. But I don't. Because I say, God, I understand that this isn't something you brought. But I know you're going to build character in me through it. I believe, I believe you're going to build character in my mom through it. And we're going to trust you all the way through this. And we can do that. Because of what he's done for us and because of what he, who he is and what his character is. So as I close, I'm going to ask the band to come. And I just want to encourage you guys today that you have a right to have hope in your life. And maybe you, you might have believed the enemy saying you don't deserve hope because you've made so many mistakes. Maybe some of the things you're going through are because of bad decisions you've made. It's okay. You still deserve to have hope. I'm going to say it again. Some of the things you're going through are because of bad decisions you have made, but it's okay. You still deserve hope in your life. There is never a moment in your life that God wants you to live without hope. Never. No matter what you've done, no matter how many horrible decisions you may have made. 
If you, if you made the worst decisions you could ever make and you're in prison for the rest of your life, you still deserve to have hope. Because there's so much more to life than just geography and stuff. Amen? We love those things too, and God's good, but it's so much more than just about that. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you would, please. We're going to pray. I'd like a, a few prayer leaders to come up if they would. If anybody needs prayer for anything today that you want somebody to believe with you, feel free to come up and these prayer leaders will pray with you. If, if, if you are not saved, if you do not know Jesus as your Savior, please let me appeal to you. I did not want to give my life to Jesus when I was a teenager, but it got, I got to the place where I realized I couldn't do it on my own anymore. And when I gave my heart to him, and decided to step out and trust him. My life has never been the same. I've not regretted it one second of my life. It doesn't make your life perfect, but it gives you so much more purpose to live for him and to know him as your Lord and Savior. So if you don't know him, please come today and give your heart to him. You can pray with someone, you can pray by yourself, but tell somebody, if you give your heart to Jesus today, tell somebody so they can encourage you and lift you up because the enemy will want to come and steal that joy from you and steal that, that gift that God's given you. He'll want to take it from you and make you believe that you're not saved. You don't even know what you're talking about. He's a liar and a thief and he'll do whatever he can to lie to you and get you to believe it. So you can come to them. But, but if, you, if something about this message has touched your heart, if you really see that you need hope in your life um, in a stronger way, maybe you just haven't been able to trust God for a while. Maybe you've been disappointed because of something that happened. You just haven't been able to trust him. You're just, you, you can't put your hope in him because it's too, it's too scary for you. I want you to come up today. I want to pray for you. You can just come to the center here. Or maybe you just, uh, um, maybe, you, maybe you, you do trust him. You just, you do feel a little sense of hopelessness. Or maybe there's some despair creeping into your life. I'd like to pray for you too. Because I believe that this season, this Christmas season, this is not a time that the enemy likes because we are celebrating our Lord. He's trying to distract us from everything, everything else but celebrating our Lord and Savior. But I believe that God's heart for you is that you'd be able to walk in that hope today. So you can, you can start coming now. Some of you have never been able to experience the hope that God gives because you've just never been able to step out like that. You've just always kind of done your thing. You've, you got saved, but you've just never really been willing to give him, give him your life and give him your hope. Just come on up. I want to pray for you. If you, need any, if you need hope today in any, any area of your life, just come on up. We'll just wait another minute. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We serve a God of hope. Romans 15 says the God of hope. That's what he is for us, church. You don't have to be hopeless anymore. Not another day in your life. Thank you, Lord. Church, would you pray with me as we pray for these that came forward this morning? God, we love you today. Lord, I thank you that you are the God of hope. You are the one that fills us with hope by your Holy Spirit. We come and we worship you today, Lord Jesus. We worship you today, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you are the thrill of hope. That 2,000 years ago when you came... You came at just the right time. You showed up at just the right time to bring the hope that we needed for a savior. And God, I thank you that today you're still bringing hope. You're still bringing hope, Lord.
That same spirit that raised you from the dead is alive and well and living in us. And it brings hope in our lives as we trust you. God, I pray for that hope today that you would flood these people this morning at this altar, that you would flood them with your hope. Lord God, I pray in Jesus' name against despair, discouragement, hopelessness. We come against those things in Jesus' name today. We stand against them today. And we thank you that your hope will come and replace those things, God. Because our hope is not in our situation. Our hope is not in ourselves. Our hope is not just a positive attitude or optimism. Our hope is in you, the hope of glory that you bring to each one of us, Lord God. I pray for the situations that we're involved in today, Lord, that you'd bring hope into those situations that you would bring an expectation that the best is yet to come and that if it's not good, that you're not done yet. And God, we bless you and we thank you for it today. Thank you that you are not done with any one of us. You are not done. Today is not as good as it gets. And Lord, we have that hope that extends even beyond this life to the next life, Lord. Thank you that we will be with you in glory one day. God, that's the ultimate hope, that we will know you. We will see you face to face And everything that we deal with will be gone. Every tear shall be wiped from our eye. And we will know you and be in your glory for eternity, God. We thank you for that, Lord. But Lord, I know that we don't have to wait until then to receive that hope that comes from you. So we pray for it today. For each person in this building today, Lord, that that hope would flood our hearts. Fill us, Lord. Fill us with your hope. By your Holy Spirit, we pray it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's give God praise this morning.